Continuing in our study in the book of Ecclesiastes, we, <clears throat> last week, <clears throat> we got down to a time to plant and a time uh, to pluck and what is, plant, what is planted, considering the thought of harvest times and those types of things. Uh, we talked about that. And then I'm going to try to finish this, this section up tonight, uh, Lord's willing, and uh, we can get through it. And just so much information just in these few verses right here uh, to talk about that we as Christians can relate to and that we can make uh, application uh, in our lives spiritually, um, but also uh, just in our normal walks of life. We can make application to these, these thoughts uh, that Solomon has <clears throat> written down for us. So tonight I want us to look at a time to kill and a time to heal. In this world, there are times that uh, are for killing. And now some specifics are debated on those things. Uh, eating food when you're hungry. Uh, capital punishment uh, for crimes and those types of things. Of which we have scripture, I believe, that throughout the Bible that teaches uh, concerning those subjects. Um, Genesis 9, 5 through 6, and Deuteronomy 13, and 9 through 10. Uh, even in the thought of self-defense, uh, the book of Exodus um, speaks in Exodus 22, verse 2, that if someone should break into your house, uh, you have that right to be able to uh, protect yourself in those things. The government does not bear the sword in vain, Romans 13, 3 and 4. And discussing these different types of things of killings, and of course murder is never wrong or never right, um, but discussing these types of things are controversial, but they are a reality and they do serve a purpose. You know, and this whole thing of, about killing, a time to kill, most certainly is not a justification for the selfishness uh, of killing and such as abortions and, and other things as well. And clearly there's a time for healing, uh, to treat sickness and to, to seek and to preserve life. Um, if we value life, this ought to be our desire. One might ask the question, why do we have so much killing going on in the world of people? And I think it's the key that I just mentioned there, the value of life. A lot of people in our world today um, do not value life. They, uh, one of the tell signs that we look for in the educational world of a child who is mentally disturbed, emotionally disturbed, is one who is very harmful to animals. Um, when we find those things or we hear about those things and document them, uh, that is a true sign um, that that child has some emotional disturbing disturbance going on uh, in, in their life. But we do live in a world to where taking someone's life is not really thought of a whole lot. There's nothing to it a lot of times. But again, there are different times that when killing uh, 
is, is spoken of in the Bible and <clears throat> supported and those things. We mentioned just a few of those just a moment ago. But what about spiritually? How do we take this statement and do something spiritually with this statement, a time to kill and a time to heal? You know, we as Christians, or when we become Christians, we put to death the man of sin. We've already talked about that. We put to death the man of sin. There are attitudes and actions that we need to kill in our lives. But when we kill something, we must replace it with something better. Hence, that's when the time to heal must begin. In Revelation 3 and verse 18 we find the church there at Laodicea needed to heal their diseased eyes. Talking about eyesight, there's a way to heal. Why, why is that needed, needed uh, to, to be healed? But it's because it was, it was sick, it was inflamed, it was infected, if you will, with many things that it should not have been. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Pray that you may be healed of the consequences of your sin." You think about those things. There is a time that we need to put to death. In 1 Corinthians, the scripture says that when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away those childish things. You see, that's a lesson for me, uh, and, and it should be for all, and, and a good thought. That when we're young, and we call it young and dumb, uh, when we're young and dumb, we do childish things. But when we become a man, we put those things away. Those things that we used to do. Maybe those selfish desires. Maybe those, uh, all those things. That, uh, a lot of times what we see is young people never want to give up uh, hanging out with their, their buddies when they get married or whatever the case may be. Um, sometimes we, you know, that becomes a problem in a marriage. And... Uh, but not only those things, there are other things that we must put to, put to death in our lives when we become a Christian and when we become to serve the Lord. But we must be able to figure, figure out those things and to be able to find something better to replace it with, which things that are spiritual and things that are wholesome in our life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, By his stripes are we healed. For something to be healed, there must be an issue. There must be a problem there. There must be a sickness. It must be a sore or whatever the case may be. And I know in my own personal life, there's been sickness spiritually and not just physically. There's been sores on this old body that needed to be healed and protected and, and cared for. You know what happens when we have those things in our body that we don't care for them? They become infected, don't they? And sometimes they what? Affect the whole body. They'll make the whole body sick. A sore on a foot can make the whole body sick. So the lesson here is that we must heal those things so that it does not affect the whole, whole body. What about the next, <clears throat> uh, the next thought here? A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to, to break down, and a time to build up. Buildings and other structures get old, and start wearing out to where they need to be torn down and replaced. You know, it's, it's actually, Solomon is continuing to giving us, giving us these, these uh, specific 
seasons or specific times in, in our life. But he says a time to, to build up and a time to tear down. You know, natural law said that over time things will decay. We know these things now and beyond. Uh, and a builder needs to assess his circumstances and determines if a structure is salvageable or needs to be totally demolished. You know, this must be determined uh, when, uh, there, right now, a lot of people are buying homes and rebuilding them, kind of flipping them or whatever they're called. Uh, a lot of people are doing that. Well, then there has to be a process of looking at that home and say, is it salvageable? Is it something we can, we, do we have to tear it all down and start all over? How far do we have to tear it down? Um, and a, a builder has to assess those things and determine if it's salvageable or if it needs to be demolished. And this must be determined again before the renovating or replacing begins. And sometimes it's more efficient to demolish something and start all over. Now that's something practical to life that we know about, isn't it? Well, what about spiritually? The Bible addresses this as well. Typically it addresses the building up but implied in that also the tearing down. In your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, <clears throat> notice what 1 Corinthians 3 and verses 10 and 11 say to us. Starting in verse 10, it says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, we must build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. What is our foundation? What if our foundation, rather, is something else? Well, we know that we have a problem, don't we? If our foundation other than Jesus Christ is, is not what it needs to be or some other foundation, we, we've got a problem. And we need to understand that we need to have the right uh, foundation. We need uh, the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I ask the question tonight, what foundation is your life built upon? Is it built upon Christ? Or is it built upon things of this world or the material things that we just spoke of that decay and, and eventually have to be torn down and, and those things. Second Timothy, <clears throat> uh, Second Timothy chapter 4 in verses 2 and 3 says this to us. It says, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You see, where Timothy is, is to preach the word, he needs to tear down, doesn't he? Sometimes in teaching people, we have to be able to tear down what they already know and to build back upon the correct foundation. And sometimes we have to do that in our own personal lives. To be able to tear down what maybe was wrong and fix it and, and, and go, uh, go again. One thing I've learned in, in, uh, 
in doing some helping with some carpentry work, they, they, they don't let me build. Um, I'm just there to do the grunt work. But one thing I've seen in uh, some things that we've done around our home is that in the very beginning of the foundation, if it is off a three-quarter inch or a half inch or whatever, by the time you get to the end of that, it's way off a whole lot more in it, Neil. <laughs> I feel we figured that out the hard way. Uh, and we kept trying to correct it and kept trying to correct it and kept trying to correct it. And, and you can't correct it. Once the foundation is not where it needs to be and it's off, it's going to continue to be off. So that's why it's so important that we ourselves are built upon the right foundation, the, the foundation of Christ, and that our children know how to build upon that same foundation, that solid foundation that does not decay and does not go, go away. But Timothy here, he said, had he needed to tear down, reprove, rebuke, but also build up when that's done. We know uh, Acts 20 and verse 32 says the word is able to build you up. And that's what we need to do, is allow the Word of God to build us up. Well, what about the statement in the, our passage, a time to weep and a time to laugh? Clearly, there are occasions when these emotions are appropriate. An interesting observation here, I believe, is a call for balance. You know, one thing we have to really, really think about is we do not need to allow our emotions to control us. Emotions are a strong thing, aren't they? I know they are for me um, when it comes to emotions and, uh, and anger, when it comes to emotions and sadness. Um, one of the difficult things that we preachers have to do are funerals, and especially when it's uh, of a loved one uh, that's very close to you. You know, I've uh, done my own dad's funeral and, um, and of course, my, my father-in-law and people who are very, very close to me. And it's hard to control those emotions and not to allow the emotions to, to control you. But when I think about these things, you know, a time to weep and a time to life, we must not let our emotions rule us. You see, there's a problem when all one does is, is, is weep or is one who is depressed or negative, and we could go on with different adjectives there, or laugh, and the laugh is not serious. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, A merry heart does good. It's like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And we have to be careful, and most certainly people need time to mourn, and we'll talk about that in the next statement but people need time to mourn, and, it, and, and there are occasions for weeping. Um, I can remember when I was a little boy, uh, I'd have family members to die, and, and, uh, and what I remember about it is how people carried on. I can remember some, I don't know who, somehow I don't even remember who they were. I know they was family members. Uh, but man, they'd scream and yell and holler and fall out on the floor and, uh, I didn't know what was wrong with him. I was just a little boy, and I, you know, and, and it was one thing to do, but uh, we we have to be able to control those things um, in 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 our life. But but it's a time to weep and a time to laugh. 
So again, Solomon is giving us a specific thing. There's a time and appropriate. There, you ever heard the statement, there's a time and place for everything? That's kind of what we're talking about in these things. Uh, there's a time and place for everything during these times. But what about spiritually? We weep with each other and rejoice with each other. Uh, you know, in, in, in Romans 12 and verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who, who uh, weep. And we see in Philippians 3 and verse 18, we see that Paul wept at the enemies of the cross of Christ. In James 4 and verse 9, we see if there is sin, we ought to, we, in that verse we see that there is sin, we ought to weep, we ought to lament uh, and, and mourn and weep because of that. What about to the laughing thought, as to laughing? I think of how we as Christians ought to be joyful. And it's good to laugh, isn't it? You ever laugh so much you cry? I'm sure you have, haven't you? Oh, you get so tickled that you just you cry. Uh, they call it belly laughing or whatever the case may be. Laughing is good for the soul, isn't it? But, you know, this ought to be, uh, I believe, our primary emotion uh, of the two. Philippians 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I say rejoice. Uh, laughing's a good thing. But again, there's appropriate times, isn't there? Yeah, there's appropriate times. I, I've known people <clears throat> who, who, laugh, who would just laugh at everything. And, and, and you know that, it's, that it's, not, it's not a sincere laugh, is it? Uh, they, they laugh at everything. Anything you say, they start laughing at I believe they'd laugh at a dead man, uh, some of them. Um, but there are people like that. And, and so we need, to be, we need to be aware of these things. What about the next statement? A time to mourn and a time to dance. Similar in the previous point that we just talked about, here's, it deals with two occasions here. When I think of mourning, an example would be of a funeral. If you go on over in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 7, um, <clears throat> verses 2 and 4, uh, you see those things. Uh, you see an example of that. And you go, what did I say, 7 and uh, 2 and 4? Let's go and read that just for a second. Ecclesiastes 7 and 2 through 4. It says, It's better to go to the house of the morning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better or glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of the morning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. So again, a time, a joyful occasion. It's talking about dancing. A time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, uh, we as Christians in a time of death or a funeral should be, if the person's faithful, it should be a time to rejoice, shouldn't it? And most certainly here we're not talking about, <clears throat> we should not read into this a justification to dance uh, to going to events where dancing is designed to provoke lustful thoughts uh, between males and females, uh, the handling of each other. Dancing, if you go and, and really dig in in the Bible of what dancing is referred to, could be simply just jumping up and down in a joyful occasion um, with or without music. Uh, but what about spiritually? There are occasions for mourning and dancing or rejoicing, when we say goodbye to a loved one, perhaps this involves a little bit of both, a time of mourning and a time to dance. But we, 
when we withdraw from someone who is living in sin, we ought to mourn, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 2, those who are living in sin that we can no longer be a part of or we can no longer uh, be close to because of the lifestyle they're living. We should mourn those things. Matthew 5 and verse 4 speaks of the mourning concerning of our own spiritual failures. You know, when we think about our own spiritual failures, we need to mourn. We need to weep and realize I, I've messed up. How can I've created this or, or how have I performed this sin against our God? You know, and we ought to rejoice at the good fortune of our brethren. Romans 12 and verse 15, when one obeys the gospel or repents, or when one comes, overcomes some spiritual struggle. You know, in the book of Luke in chapter 15, <clears throat> In verses 7, 10, and 32, we see the parables of the lost. You have the lost coin there, the sun, all those things. And when someone is lost, most certainly we need to mourn. But we also need to rejoice, don't we? Remember the, uh, the parable of the, of the uh, prodigal son. When he came back, he came to himself, and he came back to his father. And he said to him, he said, I'm not worthy to be your son. I just want to be one of your hired servants. He put a ring on his finger, coat on him, and they had a feast, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, what about <clears throat> the statement, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones? You know, I really don't know that I'm going to get done tonight. I just, I'm trying to get through, but I, it's just a whole lot of stuff. Um <clears throat> So what about a time to cast away stones and the time to gather stones? Like the building up and tearing down, there are tasks and times to accumulate things and other times when we throw them away. Now, I don't know about you. You're probably like my home. You don't have any clutter. Uh, there's not anything in your home that you really don't need. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling your leg now. Uh, I believe everybody has clutter, don't they? Uh, but there are a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. Like building up and tearing down, <clears throat> we have times of accumulating things and things we throw away. But you know what? That clutter not only can be physical things, but it can be spiritual things too in our life. You know, spiritually, I simply think of a willingness to change when it's needed. When you think about that statement, time to cast away, time to gather. Things that, that we need uh, to, to do to grow, that we gather the resources, and when something's no longer useful uh, as a tool, we move on and we cast it away. You know, that's a question we can ask ourselves tonight. How much spiritual clutter do we have in our lives? How much spiritual clutter do you have? One says, well, can they have too much spiritual clutter? I believe you can. You can become overwhelmed with those things, and you don't know which way to go or what to hold on to or what to do next. And sometimes we as Christians find ourselves doing those things and having too much clutter. What about a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing? 
There are times when embracing or hugs or whatever are acceptable and are appropriate, and other times when they're not. This could also apply to physical relationships. You know, concerning a husband and a wife can embrace, you know, in private while others should not. Um, you know, our teens and dating and circumstances where they're tempted to lust need to be careful uh, with those things. First Corinthians 6 and verse 18 gives us a warning. But what about spiritually? Think of fellowship. You know, we are to have fellowship with one another as brethren, Acts 2 and 42, as those people did there in the day of Pentecost. And we need to show <clears throat> our affection to one another. But again, there's a time to do that and a time not to do that, isn't there? You know, a time in the middle of worship, <clears throat> you know, is not a time to be laughing and cutting up and doing all these things in times of worship, is there? And same thing with this thought here. You know, we're not to have, speaking of fellowship, we're not to have fellowship with the world or the ungodly of the world and those who have fallen away until they return, Ephesians 5 and 11, 1 Corinthians 10 and 20. And First <clears throat> Corinthians 10 and 20 deals with fellowship with demons and talking about how we need to guard ourselves with against those things of, of the world. But what about a time to gain and a time to lose? One version puts it this way, a time to search and a time to give up as lost. And I believe this shows an idea of times when we keep looking for something, but there is a time to move on. You ever lost something and you look and you look and you look and you say, well, I'm just going to have to give up. I've, I've given up way too much time on this, trying to find this whatever I, I've lost. Or maybe you're trying to remember where you put something. A lot of times if you'll take and move on, what happens You'll remember it eventually, won't you? Uh, you'll say, oh, yeah, I remember now where I put that. I put that right there where I wouldn't lose it, <laughs> where I'd know where it was. I do that all the time. Um, I look for stuff in my classroom. I know I've got it, but I'm like, okay, I know I put that somewhere, and I put find it. Eventually, I'll find it. I thought, yep, I remember putting it there, so I know where it was at. <laughs> and I find it usually two days later. Um, but again, you know, you think about a time to gain and a time to lose. Spiritually, I think of the lost coin and the sheep in Luke 15 that we mentioned just a moment ago. Both show, show a diligent search, don't they? There's a time when we must judge that we are casting our pearl before the swine and move on, Matthew 7 and verse 6. A time to gain and a time to lose. You know, I believe all of our lives, and I think it's good, that we gain, but I think it's also good that we lose sometime, isn't it? I can remember <clears throat> when I first came to Jackson County and was hired as a coach, and I was at a board meeting one night, and this was 20 years ago, and uh, some of the board members were talking and asking, Jason, I believe one of your daddy might have been one of them then that was asking this question, and he says, what do we gotta do to win football here? I said, well, they, we sit down and we was talking. And, and I can remember telling them, I said, we, one of the things I told them, first I said, we've got to spend some money. But secondly, I said, we've got to learn how to lose. And it felt like, like every one of their jaws hit the floor. 
He said, what do you mean? I said, you got to learn how to lose. Well, coach, we, we know how to lose. <laughs> but I said, but there's a difference in losing and knowing how to lose. And so I went into the process of, of telling them, you know, when you lose, you take and you go back and you fix what, how, why you lost, and you get better because of that loss. And that was the whole intent of that. But sometimes in our own spiritual lives, we have to be able to understand that. That sometimes we have to know how to lose and say, oh, all right, I just... I need to chalk this one up to, to experience and I need to take and figure this out and fix the problem and move on and learn from this mistake. There's a time to do that. There's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. What about a time to keep and a time to throw away? Similar things we discussed uh, as far as the building earlier on. Uh, time to keep and a time to throw away. Spiritually, what are we willing to give up to follow Christ? Matthew 6 and verses 19 through 21 says, Where is your treasure? Do we have the attitude uh, of Paul in Philippians in 3 and 7 and 8? What are we willing to give up? Are we willing to, to continue to, to, to make sacrifices that was prayed just a moment ago over Brother Mike, that we may be able to make sacrifices to serve you, God? What are we willing to, to, to give up? What are we willing to keep? And what are we willing to throw away? What about a time to tear and a time to sow? Another description similar to the gathering and the casting away of stones, spiritually, a time to tear and a time to sow. We could relate this to the mourning that we've addressed. Remember how we spoke in mourning People would tear their garments uh, in other lessons that we've taught. In their mourning, they were so distressed. But you know what? That mourning was the end. There came a time when those people had to repair their garments and move on. And you say, well, that, that's hard to do. Well, you're exactly, it is hard to do. But Solomon says in his great wisdom, there's a time to tear, there's a time to sow. And he says, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to weep, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to sow, there's a time to mourn. But there comes a time when you have to cast those things away and, and, and repair those garments. And I've been through those times as well as you. Well, what about a time to keep silence and a time to speak? Wise words to always consider. You think about that, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. You know, we don't always have to say something, do we? We think we, I know sometimes I get caught up in that. Sometimes I think, well, I've got to say something because I'm whatever. Sometimes the best thing that you and I can do is say nothing. Think about Job's friends for a week after they came to him. As long as they were silent, in Job 2 and 13, all was well, wasn't it? Proverbs 10 and verse 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Time to keep silence and a time to speak. Spiritually, we need to control our tongues and at times be quiet. James 1 and 19, 
gives us that, doesn't it? When it comes to authority, we need to speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. Next week, Lord's willing, we're going uh, to look at and continue our authority lesson. And we'll be looking at, um, so the week after that, will be God's silence. The next week will be, is it from man or heaven? You know, and, and again, speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where it is silent. Controlling our tongues. That is something James speaks a whole lot about, doesn't it? What about a time of love and a time of hate? There are things we ought to despise and things we can and ought to love while we're here in this world. The problem is, often in this world, is we get things mixed up. Spiritually, we know the things we should love. Matthew 22 and 37 39. We should love God, shouldn't we? Love his commandments, love him, love our enemies, love our neighbors. But there are times and things we should hate or love less. Romans 12 and verse 9 says, Abhor what is evil. You're very familiar with 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in this world. But what about a time of war and a time of peace? A very fitting conclusion, I believe. Conflict is inevitable in this life. In making decisions concerning different things in the world, and there are, in our minds, there are conflict often of what do I do? And you and I must work through it. Pray to God. But a time of war and a time of peace. You know, we may not like to think about wars, but sometimes they're inevitable to stop an enemy from taking over. The nature and time of wars has subject to, been subject to debate for many, many years. But there's a time for peace instead of choosing war. And again, again this should be uh, our choice. Spiritually, let us never forget that we are at war. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, 2 Corinthians 10. We're always in a spiritual war and warfare. And let us always wage the good warfare. It's our ultimate goal to have peace while we're here. Live peaceably with all men as it lieth in you, within ourselves and with others. Blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew 5 and verse 9. Sometimes to get peace, there must be war first. That's the unfortunate part. Colossians 3 and verse 15 says this, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And I did make it to the very end. I didn't think I was going to make it. I had to hurry, but I didn't think I was going to make it. A lot of information here. We could spend probably another week or more on it. Concerning Solomon's thoughts of there's a time for this and a time for that. There's times to weep, there's times to mourn, there's times to laugh, time for war, time for peace. All these things are practical things in our life. And I suggest to you that you take each of these and do a little more personal study on them and see how it would be more practical to you in your practical lives 
in, in real life, but also spiritually. You know, tonight, there's always, we always say, speaking of a time for, there's always a time for one who needs to repent. One who needs to become a Christian and serve God faithfully. There's a time for that. We could say there's a time to repent, a time to confess, and, but there will also be a time to stand in judgment. Where will you stand in judgment? Will you stand with the righteous and the Lord say, enter in, or will you stand with the unrighteous? The Lord says, depart. You know, that's a serious thought, that would, a question that we need to ask all of ourselves. Examining our lives and knowing where we are. Tonight, maybe you need to examine your life, whether you're spiritually in the right relationship with God. Maybe you tonight, you again, may need to become a Christian. Maybe it's that time, a time for you to make that decision that I need to put God on baptism, in baptism, to put our Lord on in baptism, and be baptized for the remission of your sins and added to the Lord's church. Don't wait. Don't wait to. Well, I want to wait to this day. Don't do that. That's dangerous. That is dangerous. If you know you need to become a Christian tonight, you need to take care of it. Don't wait. And if you know you need to repent tonight of any sin,